0: Good evening. By now you've been brought up to date with the salient aspects of the budget. It's difficult to decide whether the budget is positive, negative or neutral. The performance of the RAND seems to think it was slightly positive. Much was expected. The ESKIM bailout is arguably too small and the growth assumptions are, in my view, slightly optimistic. About as good as we could get, perhaps the most important aspect is that the fiscal consolidation stance and acceptance of not increasing taxes remains intact. In this segment, I'd like to unpack how the budget impacts on you, the individual, and joining me this evening is Tony Davey, Chartered Tax Advisor Advocate at Tony Davey & Associates, and joining us via Zoom is Philip Joubert, Centre of Tax Sections and Manager at SIPO, the South African Institute of Professional Accountants. Tony, Philip, thank you very much for joining me. Well, guys, first I'll put the question to you, Tony. And my producer said when I came on, put on a big smile, because actually there is a lot to smile about in this budget. Everyone was expecting the very worst. We'll talk slightly about what's happening on Friday with the possibility of grey listing, But at this point, what are your thoughts? How did you feel about the budget?
1: Well, Brian, uh, I'd call it a neutral budget. There was, um, for example, adjustment of the personal income tax brackets to take into account inflation so basically you're in the same position as last year yeah
0: flip your views a
2: very neutral budget in my opinion um some positives some negatives a lot more that could have been done but at what cost? so for me uh, especially from an individual's point of view there are a few positives but not enough to really make you smile
0: yeah what i notice, philip is although they've increased all the all the all the rebates and everything's gone up it's certainly lower than the inflation rate. I mean, I looked at the numbers around about the five percent. We know inflation at the moment is trading close to seven. so w- 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 why not give the inflation rate
2: The uh, adjustments were made on the expected or estimated inflation um, at four point nine percent in the budget, so that is what Treasury expects inflation to be over the next fiscal year, and that's what they made the adjustment on.
0: Tony, you know the, firstly. The first question i've got to ask you let's talk about provisional taxpayer any any change in them have they increased the bands of any people not paying provisional tax that may have been paying paying provisional tax previously? same as before same as before Mm -hmm. and then and then i mean there was one element that does give some relief i mean when i think about transfer duty on properties they gave a slight increase in the band yeah well the
1: exemption was up to 1 million and they've increased that to 1.1 million and adjusted all the other bands. So all the other bands upwards. Gone up as well. Yeah. So then, Philip, let me ask you, we talk about
0: re- rebates and deductions. And we talk, let's get now to the one aspect that everyone's been waiting for, and that's what's going to happen with solar. I can, I can see you're expecting this question because there, there has been some relief given. But quite surprisingly, yes. I, I was a little surprised because... Tony and I spoke before we came on the show. The first comment, they t- spoke about getting a rebate of 15000 per individual, not per household. And then a lot of people are renting. So maybe you can just un- help to unpack that. What, I- what is your reading? And I, and I know that Tony always says that, you know, you've got to wait for the detail. This is just the, sort of the skeleton, wait for the detail. But w- what is your view? Enough for giving, enough incentive for solar, and why not for batteries and inverters?
2: Okay. So it's start off with, the rebate is an actual deduction on your tax due. So instead of reducing your taxable income, It's a straight off reduction of the amount of tax that you owe SARS. So, if you do meet the relevant uh, qualifying criteria, I think it is 25% of the value of what your solar installation is, um, up to a maximum of 15,000 Rand per individual, like you said. Um, It can be quite positive for you because that means that could potentially be 15,000 Rand back in your pocket when you submit your tax return. Hmm. Now, the problem is that your inverters and your battery packs can run separately from your solar panels um, your solar panels can be used to charge your batteries and all of that so I understand that treasury to some extent excluded that from the the whole uh, rebate and uh, deduction mm-hmm. allowances but at the same time um, it does make it difficult to determine what is used for what so if it, the whole idea is to promote solar which is green energy I don't want to say free of charge because it's definitely not uh, installations can be quite pricey but the whole thing re- relates to what is your purpose for it if you want to use this for purely your own purpose your ho- household a medium-sized solar package will be your best bet that's what Treasury took into account in looking at all of these things I believe so Excluding items that are more mobile, that can be trans- that can actually be transported, I've seen a lot of these inverter packs move from one venue to another just as it's needed. Um, that's not quite meet the definition of adding to the grid. It's almost more like just like your little UPS that you've got at home to run your Wi-Fi or to charge your phone during load shedding.
0: Tony, so let's just come back to you. If you're talking about a 15,000 tax deduction, actual from taxable uh, tax yeah, taxes. Yeah. then you're talking about people that, in, at a 45% tax break earning g- virtually getting equivalent to a 28,000 rand deduction. And after tax giving, yeah, you that so 15,000. It, it, it
1: is from the, the tax payable. I, I have one or, one, or one or two points to, to make, though. My, my one concern, Brian, is that this is only effective from one March... 2023 one march this year so if you were proactive and installed this last purchased and installed is the words they currently use but correct the devil's in the detail with the actual legislation purchased and installed on or after one march 23 so if i was proactive in fact i'm punished you know that old adage the, the early bird catches the worm well not not this time so I think it should, in fairness, be made retrospective to 1 March 2022 uh, to, to really be fair in those circumstances.
0: And Tony, you, you, were, very, you were very firm on the word purchase and install. That's the words that you Because a lot
1: of people mm. are renting. Mm. I don't think the way it's worded currently takes into account persons who are renting. I would say that's likely an oversight. And when the actual legislation is drafted, it goes for sittings before Parliament, the Parliamentary Finance Committee, and I'm sure it will be addressed uh, at, at that stage. Yeah. Tony, were you surprised at the increase of,
0: on retirement <laughs> and withdrawal at <laughs> tables of gone up. I mean, it's been like this. Yeah. You know, we've never seen anything. I mean, if you think about inflation over the last 12 years, that means money at 12% or at 8% has halved. Uh, they have pushed it up from if you withdraw the first 500 to 550, yeah. and if, that's if you retire, and if you withdraw 25 to 27 and a half. Yeah, that's and then all the, the bands, and then all
1: the bands accordingly. Have adjusted, yes. Those are the tax-free <laughs> amounts, but I mean, from 500 tax-free on a r- retirement or uh, genuine retrenchment, up to 550, 50,000. I think it was last adjusted probably about eight years ago or so. It's it's really. D- As you correctly say, it doesn't keep uh, pace with the reality of inflation, Uh, but it's something. Tony, you were involved for many, many years in the Cats Commission, (laughs) made many
0: recommendations, some accepted, some not. As the, as the Davis, um, administra- the Davis Committee, the Davis p- p- Administration, have they in any way
1: recommend these increases mm-hmm. in in retirement funds, um, Brian? Okay, just clarification. I was on a subcommittee of the Cats Commission in the nineties. Um, look, the the Davis uh, Committee's uh, report is still what I would call work in progress. It, it's made many a multitude of recommendations, and um, it's clearly um, a slow process. I'll just leave it at that. Philip, some worrying aspects
0: of that Davis Commission. Uh, the two that worry me is, one, payable death duties on the death of the first spouse, and the second thing that concerns me is death duties at that uh, recommended it, uh, they, although they've pushed the band up at 30 million to 25% death duties, the concern about having particularly elder people, having to, to now maybe... Can you see any of those recommendations coming into place?
2: I hope some of them do come into place, but we do need to first wait and see what, what Treasury and the Ministry actually does in the end with these recommendations. It, it might have a major impact, and until we actually see draft legislation addressing this, it can be quite difficult to speculate. Mm.
0: Yeah, Philip. There are, two, uh, there are two things that did that did interest me. I mean, we talk about tax saving. We talk about tax-free savings, which at the moment is thirty-six thousand, no increase there. And then we also talk about interest r- interest deductions, no increase there. That's also been in for some years. Now, the last few years, maybe the excuse has been, well, we've got tax-free savings, which went from thirty to thirty-three thousand, and then thirty-six thousand, but now. Absolutely static as well as interest deductions. Any comments?
2: You believe a part of it is to try and balance the budget. We have to be honest about it. I mean, the more you give back into the hands of the taxpayers, the less government has to spend on essential infrastructure, on the social wage. So it is difficult to find that balance. And it is an easy method to keep the status quo, to be honest.
0: Tony let's just talk about that for a moment, particularly interest. Do you think that, what do you think, that, how much savings are, are individuals going to, at the higher level? I see that margin rate has also crept up slightly from the 1.7 to the 1.8, mm-hmm. but are, 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 is there benefit? Uh, are taxpayers getting as much benefit as inflation?
1: Well, look, the, I was hoping that 36,000 <coughs> annual tax-free Uh, contribution to uh, um, any kind of investment like a collective investment scheme would be increased because that is encouraging people to be self-sufficient but um, as you say the 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 interest exemption has stayed the same this year this is 36 so and I think to to, uh, reiterate Philip's point here it's just affordability From the government point of view tony just let's talk about it i mean originally we had people
0: earning money offshore exempt then i think in 2020 they increased it to a million and then last year i think 1.25 million no change in that you're actually encouraging
1: the south african tax base to move offshore i agree with you brown i think the until 1 march 2020 if you performed services offshore uh, you actually had a full exemption from South African tax, but the point is, those persons go offshore. They could leave their family here. They could stay at the at the schools. They could spend money and pay VAT, etc., etc. And um, it that was the position. Then, from 1 March 2020, they basically said offshore earnings when you are genuinely abroad are only exempt and now the current uh, limit is an exemption up to 1.25 million now um, once you're earning in hard currency 1.25 million in my view is not a lot and i would have expected that to increase as well because frankly one wonders whether this cap should exist at all because rather have people stay in the tax net and not emigrating because the the so-called loophole uh, around foreign earnings is in fact to tax become tax non-resident, okay? And uh, if you do that, you're lost to the to the tax system, and that's what people are doing, in my experience. So I was surprised that there wasn't an adjustment for that, as we do have a shrinking tax base amongst the persons who, in fact, contribute the most to the fiscus philip let's
0: just talk about grants firstly let's talk they they set aside 36 billion to improve to increase it will increase the period for those in distress from until the first of march to 2024 but they never made any okay. comment about what that is. currently 350 rand and you know there were demands made on, or requests made let's say that that goes to 1,500 Rand, which is absolutely impossible. We don't have that sort of money. But no comment. Did you pick up anything about any increases? I know the increases in pensions. I think that's gone up 90 Rand yep. and then another 10 Rand in October. I know that there have been old A- different types of grants that have gone up only in October. What about stress grants? So
2: as far as I can tell from the information that we received, it's, it will remain at 350 for the next year. There's, been no, so there's no signs of increase on that. Um, the minister also didn't mention anything in his actual speech regarding increasing that 350 rand a month. So, so think I think they, the, the people that actually receive these distress grants are biting on the short end because they get less va- bang for their buck on
0: this. Philip, let's just go back. There wasn't much in the budget, but let's just go back to this. There's no more phys- formal immigration. It's financial immigration and you've now got three years out of South Africa, you can do a whole lot of things, you can access funds from your retirement annuities if you've been out for three years. What does that actually mean? I mean, what do you, how do you go about this? Does it just happen? Or do you actually have to be more more involved in the process and informing SARS or the South, Af- South African Reserve Bank?
2: So from my side, because my speciality is more on the tax side of things, um, financial immigration is is quite an involved and difficult process. And that part of that is including informing SARS that you are no longer a tax resident. And it is becoming more and more difficult to tick boxes if you're not actually out of the country. And I think that is one of the reasons and Tony mentioned that why it is it's actually strange that we didn't see an increase in that Section 10 one uh, threshold of one point two five million. Mm. It should have been increased to try and maintain our tax yeah. base.
0: Yeah. Mm. Tony. I think you're I much more invo- actually moving abroad. Yeah. Philip, uh, Tony, I think you're actually involved in this, aren't you? I yeah, think well you've yeah. got many people yeah. because I mean, today, if you want to export capital, someone who dies here and you're now winding up in the state, and children have been overseas for many years, they can get receive the money if they've got a bank account in South Africa. Very few of them have a bank account, and they can't receive the funds. How does this actually work? This financial immigration.
1: Yeah. What's happened now, Brian, is that. Um, they have consolidated emigration, which was a Reserve Bank concept, with tax non-residency. And it's now all assumed by SARS. So the Reserve Bank have actually handed over emigration for natural persons to the uh, SARs. Um, now, the thing is that, um, basically, you do have to be pro- proactive with SARS and you do have to fill in forms and you've got to provide proof that you, in fact, are non-resident for tax purposes, in which event you will also be regarded as having emigrated. One of the requirements amongst many is that, in fact, you show you are a tax-registered person in another country. And And then, ultimately, SARS, if they're satisfied with this, they will actually give you a certificate of non-residency now. So that's what you've got to aim for. And that's quite a new process. It's only happened over the last few months. So it's a single process through SARS now. And uh, you have to, go get that certificate of non-residency. Tony, are you re- recommending to p- particularly
0: elderly people who have children living overseas that they actually advise their
1: children to actually do a financial immigration? Well, you can do a belated immigration. So in the sense that if, some, if children have gone, all right, and they're going to inherit from a South African estate, you still have a problem if you're not technically non-resident, okay, in receiving the monies offshore. It'll be stuck in a bank account here, in the estate account. And you can then do what's called a belated immigration, which really just means formalization albeit it is backdated to when you left. But at the moment, you do have the hassle of that process in order to get your money offshore. For example, if it's an inheritance. What happens if you're a beneficiary of a trust here, you're living offshore, you're a
0: beneficiary of a trust here, and each year the trust has been attributing income to the children because it's a tax method of reducing the tax. So you've paid some tax here, but you aren't really here because you've been living in another country and you're a taxpayer in another country. Is that uh, that passive?
1: Can can I just say this, that if you have a non-resident beneficiary of a South African trust, the trust is the taxpayer, not the non-resident, because SARS can't collect from the non-resident, which means the trust tax rates of 36 you know sorry 45 percent which is the maximum income tax rate and the cgt rate of 36 percent actually apply and the beneficiaries only get after-tax monies so you you don't want you can't attribute you can't um monies to a non-resident beneficiary and have the conduit principle apply whereby money flows through the trust and the the beneficiaries pay the tax so you've got to be very careful about, about that.
0: That's why people consult with you, Tony, because <laughs> of your expertise. Philip, let's just talk about some of the other taxes that were you expecting. I mean, no increases in CGT, no increases in VAT, uh, n- no increases in state duty. Uh, you can still only take out $1 million offshore plus $10 million with, with, with SARS approval. Uh, w- were you expecting any of those to change, dividends tax or any of those?
2: Um, I'm happy that some of these didn't change, but one of the things that we've been championing for for the last few years is actually a bit of an increase in the rebates on capital gains, for example, especially for individuals. The 40,000 rand annual exclusion has been sitting there like that for a number of years. And we really hoped that they would increase those rates. um, But at the same time, we're happy that the inclusion rates hasn't been messed around with. I mean, it's still 80% inclusion rate for uh, trusts and companies, and a 40% inclusion rate for individuals. So th- there's at least some relief that that hasn't been increased. Tony, were you speaking? Because you can see capital gains as a sorry, you can't no, see no. capital gains as a kind of a wealth tax. So as government works, moves more towards a formalised wealth tax, easiest ways to increase your in- capital gain inclusion rate.
0: Tony, were you surprised at all? Were you expecting anything you know, major? I mean, we did. fortunately, we had the overrun. If we hadn't have had the overrun, obviously, mm. uh, the revenue, they would have had to look at very differently. Were you surprised at any of those that remained the same?
1: I didn't, I didn't have any expectations, Brian. As, as, as uh, Philip has said, CGT remains as it is. You know, some time ago, both CATS and in, in the Davis Committee reports, they said there should be a narrowing of the gap between income taxes, which sit up to 45%, and capital gains taxes, which um, sit for a natural person, maximum 18%. Now, that gross disparity still remains. So, the harder you work, you push yourself into a higher tax bracket and you are punished for that at 45%. <laughs> okay? Whereas if you Sit and relax, and you just have a good investment strategy, you're only going to pay 18 One wonders if that is fair.
0: Tony, I, I don't know if you know the it's a, bit, a little bit unfair, but how, is this very different elsewhere in the world?
1: No, look, in, in, in fairness, um, there's always that, 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 that kind of gap, yeah.
0: And Philip, cap from this year, um, company rates are taxed down to 27% but
2: also take into account that they will also now be uh, implementing the loss reduction principle where you cannot claim your full assessed loss against your taxable income so the whole idea behind that was to again keep the budget neutral so you give with one hand and take with the other so the one percent reduction in the tax rate uh, corporate tax rate is quite exciting i know accountants are putting their hair out for all the defer tax calculations that now need to be updated but for the most part, it's it's a positive thing. And at the same time, companies that are in a loss-making situation or do have historical assessed losses that's been brought forward, this is an opportunity to actually start utilizing these and contribute back to the fiscus.
0: Philip, you talked about 80% of the, of the loss. Is that only for companies? Individuals can still set off 100% ga- a, a loss against a game? Um, so, sorry, I did miss, uh, misunderstood things. your question. The Uh, You you spoke about, uh, can an individual still set, are you hearing me? Yes, I can. Uh, Can individuals still set off? Individuals
2: have always been, individuals and companies have always been able to set off their capital losses against any capital gains they make and whatever is not utilised is carried forward to until there's an actual capital gain. So that hasn't changed. It's just the actual corporate tax rate that I was referring to. Apologies.
0: Well, we can all take a lot of comfort that taxes do not go up. But I must warn you that if you're drinking this evening and smoking a cigar or cigarettes, you're going to be paying more. Uh, Tony and Philip, I'd both like to thank you for joining me this evening. And to our viewers, thank you for watching and enjoy the rest of the evening's viewing. Tony, Philip, thank you.